you, Lord. <clears throat> I remember uh, Pastor Colin, who began a revival ministry um, out of the C of E and then into Kingdom Faith. He was the founder and the, the man that actually discipled and trained me, and many of you can still and will we'll know him because of the the amount of times that he came here. He's with the Lord now <clears throat> in glory. But he would say there was only half an hour of silence in heaven when the books were opened. And I often think that um, uh, that revelation of the volume of worship in heaven, I think we're all going to be shocked as to how extravagant how demonstrative, you know, it says elders bow before him, how physically demonstrative, it's not all contained in, on the inside. And, and Jesus said, let us, let us see that as it is in heaven, let it be done on earth. And I really believe that today he has been glorified in this time together of praise and worship. And I'm so grateful for a church that wants to and a people that really are devoted to uh, serving him with thanksgiving, praise and worship. But I'm also very grateful for a worship team that really help us to do that. So thank you. Thank you so much. So probably... One of the most difficult messages to speak on this morning um, because you can always see your own flaws when you preach this message. And that woke you up. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> some, some people I notice kind of relax and sort of sit down and say, I'm not that interested in the message today. But um, yeah, my own flaws I can see. Um, and something really surprising. Jesus constantly surprises me uh, as to how simple and practical he makes the Christian life. Uh, when you read the Bible, it's really clear what Jesus wants. And um, it's really not complicated. And as soon as we get complicated, we actually are missing the real life. And so there is nothing as simple as this message, but nothing more challenging for all of us. And that's found in John chapter 13 and verse 34 to 35. Jesus said to his disciples, he's speaking to his followers, a new commandment I've given you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, say by this. By this. We can change the world. Yeah. Who'd have thought it was that? He said it's this, and not many of us would have thought that. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, all people will know. And Jesus said, it's as I have loved you. So not the kind of Valentine's love that's here today and gone tomorrow, but a love that lays down its life for the benefit of another so if we're to love one another as Jesus loved us, it's got to be in the light of an understanding of what true love is, God's love or holy love. It's different to all other qualities of love. Now, the kingdom only expands, grows and increases where there is love. Any move of the spirit is always shut down when there is a lack of love for one another. 
And Jesus is talking to his followers. So we know that this is relevant for the Christian home, raising families, that we are to love one another. But he's speaking of what I would call the church home, the place where God has you here and now. You could say you're here today. Not the church in America now saying, I really love them, but the church where you walk, talk, live, breathe, and work. This is where we're to love one another. We're God's family because we, both, we all have the same father. And therefore, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So just to be clear, God's talking to you and to me here. And if you're listening online, those that you do life with. And it's, the Christian home is of immense importance But he is speaking directly to these 12 disciples who've given up everything to follow him. And he said, I want you guys to change the world and you'll do it because you love each other. And you know, within three centuries, the Roman Empire was impacted by these Christians. They began something that continued for 300 years that changed a massive amount of territory. And what was said of the early Christians was, look at how they love each other. And it's not that all the world will be saved, but they will all have a witness and experience the reality of God through a church, a people that love one another. The kingdom expands. The gifts of the Spirit operate. The power of God to change. The answers to prayer happen where there is love for one another. And if love gets cold, in other words, doesn't operate as it should, you can tell. Just like I can come into my home this week, my thermostat went down for some reason, the signal. And it got really cold, and cold affects people. My body got cold. And I'm like, I wonder what's wrong. Why is it really cold outside? No, it's not. My, my heating wasn't working. So I had to get the connection back, turn the thermostat up, and release a fresh supply of power that would change the atmosphere of where I'm at. And I believe God wants us to turn up the thermostat and see an increase of God's love in operation in this church, in your life and in mine. Jesus issued this command. He said it's a new commandment. Now, the Jews were used to the Ten Commandments. These guys knew them. But Jesus said it's number 11. (laughs) We often talk about the Ten, but let's really major on the eleven. Because number 11 will fulfill every other command. Will show that you love God and you love people. The people you're with. Not the people in another country right now. Or online. But the people who are part of the local church. And When he said command, they understood perfectly well that it wasn't a suggestion. Nor was it a kind of a choice if you're going to be a follower. Like I might, I might not. A command from God is very different and should be received very different from all other people speaking. 
in the way we approach what they're saying. And so he said, I'm giving you a new command, not a recommendation, not a suggestion. And if we don't do it, well, what is the result? Yes, anybody? If we don't do this, what is the result? Disobedience. We disobey the command. So it's obviously really important, and the world won't know that we're his disciples. We can't change the world. It's so significant to the word of the Lord for the year, but you wouldn't even think it was. But it's of huge significance that this message and this command from Jesus is something we understand and actually apply in our walk together with Jesus. In fact, Scripture's really clear. I can have all knowledge. I can quote every quote. I can repeat any memory verse. I've studied Leviticus and got through it. I can know all things. I can say I can operate in the gifts, but if I have not love, 1 Corinthians tells us, I am nothing. I can move mountains with my faith, but the report over me, if I don't love my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm nothing. And Jesus is obviously keen on saying, love is going to change the world. My love in you, but the way you love the church. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, do I, as a disciple personally, do I love you? And do we love each other as Jesus wants us to? We must ask ourselves the question. Sometimes I think in any message, some people can sit there and nudge the person next to you and say, I'm glad they're in for this message. They, in fact, I wish they were in. Where are they? This message would have done them the world of good. But this message is going to home in on you and on me. Because we can't listen to this command and say, it's for somebody else. By this, they will know you love me by the way you love each other. We have to realize, don't we, that love is different than what the world calls it. And I personally love feelings of love. I mean, I say things like I love an ice cream. I I, I do realize Jesus isn't talking at that level. Um, You know, I, I love this speaker. He's... You know, how can I love Bill Johnson? I'm not with him. I love the word of God that comes through him, but I don't walk with him. God holds me to account to be loving those I'm walking with. Wow. So the question is, do I love as Jesus wants me to love? And love is... We know the kind of love that God is talking about. The God kind of love is called agape love, which means the love of decision and choice. It goes deeper than feelings. I, I love having feelings, but and in fact, I get more emotional the older I get. Is anybody else like that? The news. I can just sit and cry. I hear about what happens to a child. I'm undone. When I know one of you is sick and in trouble, I can cry. I get mosh. But emotions won't help me 
because they vary. And they're often based on how well another person is doing in relationship with me. Rather than agape love, which is based on God's love and me making the right decisions and choices in that moment when that person is not relating to me quite like I would like them to relate to me. <sighs> I didn't get that either. The love of God is different. In fact, in Psalm 18, verse 1, David has this kind of love we're talking about, the agape love. And he says, I will love you, Lord, my strength. Now, this needs unpacking a bit because David says, I will. Not, I feel you, Lord, and I love you. He says, I will. That's a decision. I will. Now, the word for love is really interesting because it's not emotional love. It's what we're talking about, the God kind of love, which is a love of choice, but it actually means with the deepest, innermost me that I have, all that I am, I love you. And one translation in the original said, I'm going to love you with my guts. I'm going to love you with the depth of me that goes deeper than my feelings, but goes right down into who I am. And I would say, since I found out what Jesus did for me when I was 27, quite a few years ago now, it hit me in the guts. And I've had gut love ever since. I haven't been able to not do what pleases him because of everything that he did for me. I haven't got it right all the time, but I make choices and I make the right decisions based on gut love. You know, the other kinds of love can walk, can leave at the drop of a hat and we've all experienced that. But the kind of love that Jesus is speaking about, that David had, and that we're to have for one another, is the gut love. Is the decisive love. I will love you. It's incredible. And if you've experienced the love of God through a believer, it's wonderful. I have. Have you? Has anybody in the room ever experienced God's love through a believer? It's a wonderful thing when you're hurting or you need something and you're loved. Or I should say, agapeed. You've just been agapeed. And I'd rather have agape than a bunch of flowers. But sometimes the flowers speak of agape just in case you got away with it, guys. <laughs> just in case you thought you got out of it. Yes, I, I said to PA this morning, I really love you. I said, I know it's only words. She said, yeah, but they are nice. <laughs> and so we do speak words that benefit others. But a gut love is, when you're down, I'll pick you up. When you're out, I'll come round. And see how you're doing. It's a decisive action that goes beyond what I might necessarily feel like doing in that moment. 1 John 4, 7 says this. Beloved, I love that because it means we are loved of the Lord. That's his people. Let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now this, rather than just being an individual decision, this is what we decide to do together. Let us make a decision. As a local church, to love the people who are part of Kingdom Faith Church. Now, 
Do we have anybody, any converted? Let us make a decision to agape the people in this church. Wow, isn't that incredible? Because love is of God. Whoever is born of God, that's the new birth. That means you become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Not because of your natural birth, but because God gave birth to a new creation, a son. He had a child. And God says, let us love because love is of God. And this is the evidence that you're born again. This is the fruit of being a Christian. The evidence is that you love each other. Wow. How do I know I'm a Christian? I love church. No. If this is, if this is Lord, I, I am doing what you asked me to do. I love you. Gut, will, emotion. It flows through. But I will. I will love you. We decide to, let us decide today to love the people in the church. Did you know that no one can stop you loving? Okay, tell somebody next to you, that's a statement. No one stops, can stop you loving. <laughs> no hurt. No mistreatment. No abuse. No coldness, no rejection. Can stop you loving. They might stop, but no one can stop you. Even the devil can't stop you loving. But you can. You can stop loving, but no one should be able to stop us. If you think of Jesus, Jesus was mocked, he was tortured, they spoke all kinds of false things about him. They despised him. They put a crown of thorn, thorns on him. They beat him almost to death. His back torn, bleeding. He loved them to the end as he hung on the cross. He loved us to the end. And from the cross, it didn't stop him loving. He said, Father, forgive them. What words? Nothing could stop him loving. Father, forgive. Did you know that love is always offense-free? Love is offense-free. Love never holds a grudge, never doesn't forgive. Love, agape if you've been agape you've been forgiven. Because love forgives. And Jesus said, love one another. He, he, he means love partly. One of the ways we love one another is we forgive. Whatever anybody did to us. Because he taught us to pray, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of those who've hurt us or damaged us or done the wrong or keep us in the cold. I think one of the worst sins is moody, keep you in the cold. It's so damaging to relationships. But you know, love can warm up any cold. If we turn the love up, we can see marriages change. We can see children grow up. We can see amazing relationships of brothers and sisters in the church of Jesus Christ. In ancient Rome, 
there was this uh, a new phase of, of kind of development, and they began to make pottery. And this pottery was very fragile, and it would easily crack. And so what they used to do is, once this pottery was cracked, they used to melt wax and fill in the cracks. And to, to disguise, really, the fact that it was broken and cracked. And they'd take it down the marketplace to sell it, to try and get as much money as they could whilst hiding all the cracks. But there was something called the sunlight test. And the sunlight test took this, if you were going to buy one of these uh, vessels or containers, you would go and pick it up and say, I just need to see this in the sunlight. You would hold up this cup or bowl or whatever, and you'd lift it up into the sunlight because the sunlight would reveal the cover-up and would reveal the cracks. And sometimes I think we can be a bit cover-up Christians. We think we're hiding the fact that we kind of got a few cracks, myself included. But when we hold up our lives in light of the word of God, the sunlight, his light, that love is patient, that love is kind, that love keeps no record of wrong. The wrong done to it, there's no record of it to you. Just as the Father forgives you, without any record. And so, I mean, this week I've been holding up my life in the light of the word thinking, I've got loads of cracks. I haven't loved perfectly, has anybody? But I know that there is forgiveness if I ask for it. And I know I can go to people and say, I'm sorry, I haven't loved you, as Jesus told me to. But I'm going to make a change today. And you know, forgiveness mends the cracks and makes the whole thing restored back to what God intended. Forgiveness will change every relationship. How are we doing? Forgive as we have been forgiven. And sometimes I think we kind of say, well, of course I love the church, but... They're nothing like me. Why should I? They're so different to me. But Jesus says, actually, I want you to love the ones that you don't necessarily find easy to love. Because my command is one size fits all. I want you to love them all. And love with your choices and your actions. It's fantastic to be in a church that loves one another because we're going to see a massive increase of the power of the Holy Spirit and answers to prayer in response to what Jesus is asking of us today. And he's saying it this word today because today he wants to do something and take the wax out and the cover-ups out and put completeness back in through forgiving and being forgiven. I don't know if you remember the story of Cain. It's um, these two brothers, Cain and Abel, in Genesis chapter 4. Has anybody, have you all read about Cain? Well, Cain and Abel, these two brothers, um, both brought an offering to God. And God loved Abel's offering and went, "That's, that's exactly what I want. Cain rocks up with his own idea of an offering. (laughs) I'll do it my way. And he offers something that displeased God. And he found out that God wasn't that happy with his offering. He could have changed 
and put it right, but he didn't. And it turns out that he got jealous of his brother because his brother was right and he was wrong. Amazing where sin creeps in, isn't it? Envy, jealousy. And he began to get angry and it says his face changed. Did you know that anger makes you have a face like a wet weekend? It shows up just like joy does. Don't tell me it doesn't show up. It shows up on this. Anger shows up. It shows up on your face. His countenance is mad, grumpy, moody, mardy, moany. He's angry with his brother. And God wants to warn him because he can see where this is going. It's dangerous. So he says, I love you enough to give you a warning. Sin is crouching at the door. In other words, sin is trying to have you. Take your whole life. Resist it, master it, repent before it gets out of hand. God's warning somebody here today. I know it in my heart. Don't do it. But Cain refused to listen. And he took his brother out into a field and he murdered him. It's the first recorded murder in human history. And you can see the chain of events that leads up to this point. And God comes to Cain. I believe even in this is an opportunity to repent. God comes to Cain and he says, where is your brother Abel? Where is your brother? Do you think God knows? I think God already knew what Cain had done. Cain answered and lies to God. He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Can I please quote, Lord, your word? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What's it got to do with me? My brother, he's not my responsibility. In fact, that's why you have pastors. And that's why you've got connect leaders. It's the opposite to what God says. Love one another. Not look to another to do it. You know, some of these translations, am I my brother's keeper? One translation says, am I my brother's guardian? Can you hear the uh, pride in him? Am I his babysitter? And the message translation says this, am I supposed to keep track of him? And it's totally the opposite of the kingdom of God, of the local church, where as brothers and sisters, we are to walk out together, not just the relationship we have with God, but our together unified relationships with each other. And actually, the answer for any Christian is, I am my brother's keeper. Let's say it. I am my sister's keeper. That word keep means to build a hedge around somebody. Now, I, um, I've watched a few survival programs on TV, like um, in Africa, where people are left with no resources and maybe a knife. 
and they have to survive the desert, they have to survive the animals, and, um, and they call this thing that they build at night, they have a fire in the middle, but they build what is called a boma. Does anybody know what a boma is? Nobody. Okay, you build, build a, like a hedge, but they put thorns, that's it, thorny hedge around. And that keeps the wild animals out until light comes. Because how many of you know, some people go dark and get into the wrong way of walking. And in order for us to help keep people walking with God, we're going to have to build a boma and build a hedge of protection around them with prayer, but also love. Prayer and love, you build it around them. And you say, while you're going through this, until the light comes to you and you start seeing straight, I'm going to be here and protect you so you don't go too far and get eaten up by the enemy. Because you're... The enemy is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Love protects. It, it puts a hedge around. And it says, it's my responsibility to do what I can. I can't do it for you, but I'm going to do everything I can to keep you walking with God. We should care if somebody we know stops coming to church. It should be our concern together. And we should go out after them. Because they're walking astray, they're going into territory that we know that the enemy can pick anybody off who's isolated and not part of the local church. Build a boma. We also know that often the enemy works through offence. To be offended with somebody. And make that the reason you leave a church is not love. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love forgives. And when a brother has sinned against you or a sister, for real, done something. I don't mean imagined and felt. <laughs> oh, they didn't look at me. I feel this. I need to go to them and say, you didn't look at me today. Oh, I missed you. I'm really sorry I was talking to somebody else. I'm not talking about touchy. Like a tooth that's overly sensitive. And, you know, you try and avoid. Because I'm not talking about that kind of love. I'm talking about the love that says, actually, I need to win you to forgive. I heard a story this week about um, a woman in a, a local church realized that somebody who used to be on fire for the Lord wasn't there anymore. So she paid a visit, said, I've come for a cup of tea. Why are you no longer in church? You see, the English culture is leave me alone. The kingdom culture is I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to watch you die spiritually. I'm going to do something about it in love. Not to control them. That's another thing altogether. Love never controls. True love sets people free to follow Jesus. And this woman, she actually just said to him, this guy, I think she was an older woman, so, you know, how many of you know some older people can really get in where younger people can't? You have a ministry. Because you're non-threatening. So they go in. I've come for a cup of tea. You need to go back to church. As straight as a die. You need to go back. Anyway, this person came back. Went to see the pastor and said, I'm really sorry. I held a fence in my heart towards such and such. And I've sorted it. And it's great to be back where I belong. 
So didn't Jesus mean a little bit more than go to church? When he said, love one another as I love you. He means to take action and to do things for the benefit of others. The thing is, with this, godly counsel is required. When somebody is walking away, backsliding, or in offense, you need godly counselors. I can tell you, if you go to worldly friends, people who don't know Jesus, when you're down and struggling with life, with your wife, with your husband, with your kids, if you go to the ungodly for advice, you will go wrong. Because we need godly wisdom. Oh, this is discipleship core. We need godly advice, truth, the truth of God's word in love that sets captives free. Sometimes I have to talk quite strongly to people. But if I do it in love, I'm doing it to rescue them. To rescue their families. Did you know one of the most single destructive forces there is in family life or in the church? It's selfish ambition. Selfish ambition destroys love. Selfish ambition says, it's about me. It's about what I want. It's about my vision. It's about my success. And blow the lot of you, you're here to serve me. And Philippines tells us, can we just read that? Look out for others' interests, not just your own. Let nothing be done in selfish ambition. Isn't that amazing? Or conceit or pride? I'm the one here. Everybody needs to serve me. No, be the servant. And look out for others, not just your own. In loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Wow. Love like that. Love your wife, your husband like that. Remember, no one can stop you loving. You know, some people go for promotion at the expense of a family. And they lose a family but gain the work. It shouldn't be. Life should not be about our own ambitions. To love means you're laying down your life so others are benefiting from my love for you. And all of this is resourced by God. God himself lives in us. He has shared abroad in our hearts the Holy Spirit, the love of God. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. And that's the evidence of a Christian walk. A Christian should say, you can tell I'm a Christian by the way I love God's people. And I know that, I feel that this is hitting at a very deep level this morning because you're all looking at me like... But you know, it's not that... I know it's important to see our own cracks in the pottery. But what's greater is the mercy and grace of God that forgives us, mends every crack, so that we can have another go and get it right this time. And I've had to do that this week. I've seen my own flaws. But I've lifted them up in the light of God's word. And I've said, Father, forgive me. I can't do life perfectly, but you can. And I want to love others. The brethren, the church. Because I want the world to see that Jesus is alive. If we don't have love, it actually reveals we've not passed from death to life. Scripture's clear that we can only tell we're born again by the way we love one another. What a high calling. 
But what a great God that has invested his spirit in us to love each other as Jesus loved us. You can't do everything for everyone, but you can love the ones that are around you. Love is never rude. It always is mannerly. Don't we have to teach a generation what love is? Love is not rude. It doesn't speak harshly. When you're born again, and you've had a temper problem before you were born again, when you start to lose your temper after you're a Christian, it's very uncomfortable. How wonderful that it is. It shows you you are a child of God because you've changed. The evidence is seen. But you know, you can't love like this going to church. This is listening to teaching, being equipped today. You can only do it by doing life together. And you know, part of us is quite proud. We don't want other people to love us like that. We're happy to give, but we're not that happy to receive. Others are happy to receive and not happy to give. We need to allow both to happen in our relationships. A giving and a receiving of love. Because that makes real relationships in the church. Paul prayed, I'm going to finish with this, and we're going to take communion this morning and ask God to forgive the cracks and give us a fresh supply of grace to love one another. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Paul prays, every prayer in Scripture is perfect because it's the Word of God. That's why it's written. So this isn't like a human sentiment. It's the will of God. And this is what Paul prays. I pray that your love may abound. Now, the word abound means increase and multiply. So, Paul is praying that you won't stay in what you're in. But that actually, there'll be more and more evidence of the love of God amongst us. In knowledge and discernment, that that means we'll love God the more we know him, but we'll also love people the more we know truth. And discernment is really interesting. It's a bit like an x-ray that sees. Not the fault-finding kind of of x-rays. Like when you go for a a scan and they're looking for problems. This discernment is actually to see by the Spirit what are the needs of my brother or sister right now. That's the x-ray vision you and I need to love one another. What are the needs, the deep needs that maybe I can just pray for or I can speak into or I can do something for them to lift the burden that they're carrying right now. Let love grow. Let love increase, not go down. You know, I hear these comments. Well, the more you know someone, the less you love them. You can hear it in marriage. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at you guys thinking, are they? you You know what people say? The more I get to know you, I can see more and more wrong. There's more and more wrong. Paul is saying, the more I get to know you, the more and more right I can see. I love you even more than when we first started walking together. Husbands, love your wives like that. More and more. Wives, love your husbands. More and more. Families, let's love one another. Church family, let us love one another. Because love is of God. And wherever there is love, there's power. There's a world-changing power 
that is seen and experienced by everyone around us. And they, let's hope they say, as a result of what we're listening to today, see how they love each other. Not by emotions, but by choice and action. So do I love? Not yet, but I'm making a decision today. And let us decide together to love one another as Jesus has loved us. So be it, Lord. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So what can I do for you, Lord, this week? What can we do for each other? Is there somebody you can think of that you can get alongside and help? Maybe somebody who should be here but is backslidden. Am I my brother's keeper? Let's say it together. I am my brother's keeper. Not controller, but keeper. And we need to be looking after the household of faith and making sure that each other is blessed and benefiting by what we say and do for each other. Praise God for this royal law, the king's law of love. And praise God that I believe there are hearts here that want to obey that command and do what Jesus says. Let's have communion together. Let's stand. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.